This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, veteran strength and conditioning coach and sports dietitian Pratik Patel is joining me to discuss simple strategies you can implement today to regulate your blood sugar and to prevent disease. Pratik has spent over a decade in collegiate and professional sports as a strength and conditioning coach and a sports dietitian. He's worked at premier universities like Kansas State, Michigan State, the University of Oregon, and then he spent four years as the director of sports nutrition and assistant strength coach for the New York Giants. Pratik is now the director of Outer Energy with Own It Coaching. But before we get into this discussion, would you please push pause and take 60 seconds to leave us a review and a rating in the Apple Podcast app. As Apple promotes podcasts with more ratings and reviews, this would be a huge assist to the podcast as we are looking to grow and reach more people. But now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Pratik, right now, over 37 million Americans have diabetes. That's one in 10 people and over 95% of them are type 2 diabetics. Obesity is rampant. And to me, a lot of these issues go back to blood sugar regulation. What should we be doing from a dietary standpoint to get better control over our blood sugar? No, great question. And, you know, I'm with you. In, in terms of how we can strategize and come up with solutions to help mitigate some of these blood glucose responses, especially for those that might be pre-diabetic or have type two diabetes is one is just understanding carbohydrate containing foods do elevate blood glucose levels. So when we understand which those foods are, we have to be a little bit more mindful about how much we're eating of those and when. Two is that even though you might transition and do something more of a ketogenic higher fat diet, you still get a blood glucose response with high fat intake. And there's a recent study that came out with this, not immediately like you do with carbs, it's more later on. So just because you might not be consuming a ton of carbohydrates doesn't mean that you still won't see any elevations in blood glucose levels, which I think is, again, it's the self-awareness piece and education piece. Uh, Two is the more consistent you are with your eating habits, the better off you're going to be. And that means like, look, you have to give yourself and understand what are my feeding opportunities and what am I actually going to eat? So things that do help with mitigating blood glucose responses is when we do sit down and eat a meal or eat food, we want to make sure we have a good amount of protein with it because protein digests a little bit slower. Same thing with fiber leaving the stomach. And it does show mitigations and elevations of blood glucose response. If we do have carbohydrate containing foods with that meal, another strategy is if you actually look at what you have on your plate, and you eat, you know, your vegetables first, your protein second, and then your carb containing foods third, that does blunt the blood glucose response of a meal, as opposed to doing it the opposite way, because carbohydrates digest fast, digestion starts, they empty out of the stomach faster than protein and fats do. And that's what we see with this quick elevation in blood glucose levels. I think the third is trying to eat properly at meals and limiting the snacking in between, you know, unless your blood glucose levels are really dropping below where you want them to, and you need that 15 gram boost uh, at that time point. But the consistency of eating, eating proper amount of protein at meal times, 
and not just eating too many carbohydrates or carbohydrates by themselves are some really good strategies to help mitigate that response. Eating slowly, you know, making sure you're chewing your food all the way through eating till you're 80% full is a great strategy. After you finish your meal, walking, you know, stimulating some muscle contractions. We know that muscles use glucose. So instead of it being elevated in the blood and then getting stored in tissues, we can actually use it for energy. So a short walk, some type of movement. If you can't go for a walk, maybe you do some squats or some push-ups. you know, something that isn't going to overexert you, but still challenge you a little bit. I'm so to... glad you brought this up because yeah. there's some really good papers on this. And uh, it's something that I've been implementing myself. I try to be really conscientious. Okay. I just ate. I'm not going to immediately go back to sitting at my desk or even standing at my desk. I'm going to try to go for one lap around the block. It's about a 10 minute walk and I'm moving again. I'm not going to just eat dinner and then plop on the couch, which never happens with three kids. But anyways, um, <laughs> you want to, you want to keep moving and that stuff will, will mitigate these big spikes in blood glucose. Um, what about intermittent fasting? So fasting has been shown to have some positive benefits with, you know, different health outcomes, hormone control, blood glucose control. But I think it's one of those things where it puts people on a regimen. So if you're only eating from 12 to eight or, you know, whatever your time frame is, and you do that consistently, the body gets used to it. So everything normalizes leptin and ghrelin, your insulin spikes, your blood glucose spikes, if you're eating the same types of things throughout and the body likes consistency, that's what we actually thrive upon. And it's more so if you do end up eating in a caloric deficit, we do see some improvements to weight. And if you are somebody with type two diabetes and you lose weight, you can see significant improvements within your insulin sensitivity and decreases in those blood glucose levels. So it's a strategy. It's not going to be a cure-all, but if you're having difficulty with just a normal um, unchecked way of eating throughout the day, and you might need some structure or rigidity put in place, again, it's a tool. It's something that has shown to provide value. It's not going to fix everything, but it's a way to just adhere to something instead of trying to make the decisions yourself and not knowing in the moment, like, oh, well, should I eat this snack now? Should I, should I have dinner now? It's like, no, well, I'm eating within this time frame. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that evening feeding window. You can push it up to the earlier feeding window. We talked about yep. this last time. It follows more of the time restricted feeding. It's what more of the research is showing. Uh, eat when you're awake, finish before dinner. Don't eat. Now finish before, you know, three to four hours before bed, try not to eat prior to that. You, then you give yourself three hours there, three or four hours there, all of night when you sleep. And then maybe you go into your workout fasted and then you break your fast. It's like we talked about in the previous episode, and you've already inadvertently given yourself a large fasting window without necessarily having to wait until noon to eat. And you've already been awake six, seven hours. No, that's really, really interesting. What about supplements like berberine? Yeah, there, there's definitely supplements that have shown to have a positive impact, berberine, chromium. Uh, and again, it's all about helping with improving the body's ability to utilize glucose. So uh, again, most people don't necessarily know this. If you've had some kind of functional testing or micronutrient testing done at the cellular level, you know, if you have a specific functional deficiency in a micronutrient, if uh, you are low in something like chromium, things that are involved in fructose and glucose metabolism, then that's something that definitely can provide a benefit. They've also done a lot of studies looking at consuming like a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar prior to meals 
And that having an impact on lowering blood glucose levels, or maybe even a, another strategy that I've used with some of my clients is if you know that the meal you're going to be eating at a restaurant or wherever you're going might not have the amount of protein you want, maybe drink a protein shake with some cinnamon, which has some blood glucose lowering effects, and maybe just, you know, a tiny bit of olive oil in it prior to that meal. It helps with the blood glucose spike from that meal, but also it fills them up a little bit because protein helps us with satiety. So they end up eating less after the fact. So there are things you can do prior to things you can do during in terms of how you structure what you eat and when the composition of that meal, but then also you might have a strategy afterwards too, with trying to get up and move and do some kind of, you know, walking or movement afterwards. Beautiful. I love it. Simple, practical stuff that you can implement. If you found today's podcast valuable, would you please consider sharing this with one friend who could use this information? We are a community looking to make an impact. And one of the best ways that you can help is sharing this message. Thanks again for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.